Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. I'm going to read our scripture before Lindsay comes out and shares. It comes from Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 28. And it says, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the, all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purposes, or excuse me, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. This is the word of the Lord. And I'm just informed there's another scripture, which if I'd have looked closer, I would have... This... (laughs) Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Oh, it's a long one. Okay. (laughs) And I don't even have it all. This is really getting worse. I want to read what's on here. Is that okay? This is going, you're you're never going to invite me back. Okay, here we go. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? This is the gospel of Christ. Let's jump in. New series, Art of Neighboring. I've been excited about this one for, for quite some time. Um, about two years ago through the vineyard, I got uh, into this program that is uh, for the well-being of pastors. Essentially, a couple years ago, the vineyard was like looking at um, pastors all over America and thinking, these folks aren't doing great. It's a weird time. Uh, and so let's take care of them. And so I got into this program, and, it's, and there's a couple different things to it. But one of the things is that I get to meet with a spiritual director every month. Um, which is a very cool-sounding job title, right, spiritual director. Um, If you don't know what that is, essentially uh, it's someone who acts as like a guide or maybe like a mirror is a good word um, to to help you as you follow Jesus and look for the work of the kingdom uh, in your life. I wrote this down. Um, Her name's Sherry, and I said, Sherry helps me spot the relentless kindness of Jesus, the presence and hope of the Spirit, and the wings of protection of the Father. That's her job is just to help me see this in my life, uh, which, if you're like me, is sometimes a, a little tricky to see. Um, but so I meet with her once a month, and 
At the end, she uh, always asks me uh, a one, some version of a really similar question, um, and she stares at me through FaceTime, and she has, like, the sweetest face in the world, so I wish I could do her face, but I can't, but she has the sweetest face in the world, and then she says, Lindsay, what is God inviting you into right now? Or what is God inviting you into today? And I love this question, because following Jesus means God's inviting us into something Always. And, and I think that word inviting is incredibly important because he's inviting, uh, not forcing. Like her question is never, Lindsay, what is God forcing you to do right now? <laughs> um, although I do feel like I have had answers for that sometimes, but that isn't how God works. God is always inviting, um, not forcing, inviting us into some kind of wonder or hope or mischief or action. Um, Last week, I, I, I told you that we were going to talk this week about where we're going, um, where we're going as a church. But I think maybe a great way to phrase that instead of where we're going is, uh, Vineyard Springbrook, what is God inviting us into right now? Um, to help answer that question, uh, I want to tell you another story. Go back a couple of months ago, um, I went to a conference in Ohio, a training thing in Ohio with the senior leadership team for our our church, the senior leadership team, is essentially part of um, the eldership of our whole organization. There are five of us, uh, Johnny and Josh are on that. We, we were there, and, and one of the assignments at this training was um, to write down what they called a napkin dream. Um, essentially, one of the guys that led the training uh, was at lunch one day, and he felt like God just like gave him this vision for his church, and he wrote it down on a napkin, and it happened. It's, it's really kind of an incredible story. So they handed us out literal napkins. We weren't eating, um, but they handed us out napkins, and they said, write down what God's inviting you into uh, or your church into uh, right now. And so I go off on my own, and I have this napkin, and I wrote down um, this dream, and it just felt like it felt so Holy Spirit, so very Jesus. Um, I know this because I told you last week most of my dreams involve snow cones, and this one did not involve snow. Well, I've actually figured out how to make it involve snow cones, but we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Um, but it wasn't directly linked to snow cones, so it must be uh, from Jesus. Um, but the dream was essentially this um, it was that as a church, we would learn how to be good neighbors. And I mean that in the Jesus uh, sense of the word, uh, neighbors the way Jesus defined neighbors. It was a little bit more specific than that, but, but that's the gist of it, that we would learn how to be good neighbors. And um, so we came back together, uh, the five of us, to talk about what we wrote on our napkins. And in the like, craziest thing, and this felt very Jesus and Holy Spirit, uh, Josh had written down almost the same thing. His was a little bit wider than mine because it always is, and his was a little more specific in places, but essentially the same thing, that we would learn how to neighbor and that this would lead to change in our communities, um, and his was as far as to say East Tennessee. Um, that East Tennessee would be filled with love and hope and the good news of Jesus. The way Josh talks about it like this, he says, um, he talks about how we go out and we good news the world. And he uses that as an action verb, and I love it. And that was essentially his, that we would learn how to neighbor in a way that would good news all of East Tennessee. Um, and I believe this is, there was something there. There was some, um, some sauce on this idea that, that this is where we're going and that this is maybe what God is inviting us into as a church. So... For the next couple of weeks, we are going to talk about this here, the, uh, the Art of Neighboring. And all of this is based on a book um, called The Art of Neighboring, if you want to write it down. Um, it's, uh, you can find it on Amazon. If you're looking for something and you want to follow along with us, this would be awesome. So The Art of Neighboring, it's written by two friends named Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon. 
And if the name Jay Pathak kind of rings a bell in your mind, it is because he is uh, brand new as of this spring, uh, the brand new national director for the Vineyard Church. Uh, Vineyard USA. Some of you may think uh, maybe the Vineyard is just a church here or maybe our Maryville campus, um, but we are all over the world. Um, Vineyard is our, for lack of a better word, denomination. Technically, we're an association of churches. Um, The difference in an association and a denomination is a few things, but one of them is we just pay less money to the big organization, so we really like being an association. Um, But uh, like Baptist or Methodist or Church of God, the umbrella above us is Vineyard. And this guy, Jay Pathak, who is wonderful, uh, is now over Vineyard USA and with his buddy wrote this great book called The Art of Neighboring. So here's how they started it. This is why they started the book. Jay and Dave um, were pastors in Denver, and so they gathered a group of their pastor friends in their city, which is called Arvada. And Arvada is like a Denver metro area, a little bit outside in the suburbs, kind of like Maryville to Knoxville. Um, And they, uh, they gather some pastors from Arvada, and they go and they sit with their mayor, and they had two, or really two questions. Um, What is your dream for our city, and how can we help? Like, how can our churches help? How can we as pastors help? What do you want? And how do we help? And uh, they said that their mayor uh, answered this question like lots of good mayors would answer a question. He dreamed about things like having no isolated elderly shut-ins in their community and no at-risk kids in their community and no single moms living below the poverty line in their community. Like, good mayoral dreams that I'm sure you hope your mayor is dreaming for uh, your town and community. Um, And so these pastors, they're like super tracking with this list and there's conversation around it and some dreaming and some scheming. And then as the mayor's on his way out the door, um, just sort of in like an offhanded comment, he says, you know, if you guys want to make a real change in our city, you could learn how to start a neighboring movement. And that was the term he used, a neighboring movement. And he leaves the room, and Jay and Dave tell the story that the room got totally silent because a mayor looked at a group of pastors and essentially said, if your faith had anything to say about being a good neighbor and you could teach people how to do that, you would single-handedly change our city. And as one of those, that's one of those moments when as a pastor you kind of hang your head because you know that it turns out Jesus had an awful lot to say about being a good neighbor. Uh, our text today uh, that Josh read picks up where we left off uh, last week. Uh, a scholar of religious law, a lawyer of the church, he comes to Jesus and he asks a great question. He says, Jesus, actually he doesn't say Jesus, he says teacher or rabbi. What do I do to inherit eternal life? Essentially, his question is, what can I do to get the things that you talk about all the time? And Jesus, he answers his question with a question, because that's what Jesus does a lot. Uh, And he says, what do you think? What do you think? As in, you know the scriptures. This is your whole job, your whole livelihood. What do you think? What do they say? And the man, uh, he quotes the scriptures, the Torah, uh, the Jewish law, and he quotes this. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus replies, and he says, yes, that's it. And then the man, uh, looking for a loophole in the requirement, says, okay, well, who do you think my neighbor is? Who do you consider my neighbor? Uh, Read for that what is the least amount I can do in order to be in on this stuff? 
I can be uh, very judgy at religious leaders in the Bible, um, but if I'm honest, and I think if we're honest, a lot of us are saying something similar. Maybe not these exact words, but certainly with our lives, what's the least amount I can do to still be in on this? Uh, the least amount I can do to give this faith literally and figure in this faith literally and figuratively, but still be in. And so Jesus, he answers the man's question with a story that we're going to look at next week. But this week, I just want to talk about the commandment and the question. Um, the commandment that the man uh, quoted comes, again, I said from the Torah, that's the first five books in the Old Testament, and it's found twice. And not a lot of things are found twice in the Torah. A lot of times the Bible um, increases the importance of something by saying it more than one time. It's found in Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19, and it's often referred to as the greatest commandment. Love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's called uh, the greatest commandment because in a different story, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is talking to another religious scholar, and, he, uh, and the religious scholar comes to Jesus. He kind of flips the question. And he says, what's the most important commandment? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers this one. He says this one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, everything hinges on this commandment. Matthew twenty two forty 40 says, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two things. Read for that. The kingdom of God is built around this strategy. Loving God with everything and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, in the book, The Art of Neighboring, Jay Pathak, uh, when he's talking about that moment in the room when the, when the mayor leaves and they're all kind of embarrassed, and he says this, he says that he looked at the pastors and said, am I the only one who, here who is embarrassed? We were asking the mayor how we could best serve the city, and he basically tells us that it would be great if we could just get our people to obey the second half of the great commandment. The mayor just invited a room full of pastors to get their people to follow Jesus. My guess is if uh, pastors were to meet with any mayor in any city in our entire country and present the idea of a neighboring movement, the greatest commandment, mayors would be all over it. Uh, and here's what's fascinating about the greatest commandment. Anyone can do it. Everyone has access to it. It's unbelievably powerful and unbelievably tangible, unbelievably accessible, unbelievably possible. If we want a uh, small church in uh, East Tennessee to have a big impact on our cities and counties in East Tennessee, then, then I really think the simplest and smartest thing that we can do is learn how to live out the commandments of Jesus to love God with everything and learn how to love our neighbors well. Uh, when we think of it from that perspective, I think it makes this lawyer's question a little less snarky um, and maybe uh, helpful. Who, who is my neighbor? It's a really good question. Uh, we're going to talk about this more in the coming weeks and kind of wi widen it a little more in the coming weeks. But um, I, I do. I think the word neighbor is bigger and wider and includes more people than just like our literal geographic uh, neighbors. But I also think that according to the definition that Jesus gives of neighbors, our literal geographic neighbors are part of what he's talking about. 
That's what I want to talk about today. Part of the simple genius of the greatest commandment uh, starts, it is that it starts with something inside of our hearts and that it works out slowly uh, from there. It starts inside of our hearts and then it leads us to the literal next person right next to us. Uh, when we take it literally and we act on it literally, it has the power to change not just us but where we live. And to be honest, um, so many of you, so many of us, we want to love and serve people well, but sometimes that idea gets so big and so wide uh, that we end up doing a lot of dreaming and brainstorming and not a lot of actual uh, having the space to love anyone well. And so there's something about the idea of just the neighbor, the person right next to you. Um, the truth is uh, we can only do a few things really well. I have spent my entire life trying to disprove this. I have had, I, last week I joked about how I have so many favorites. That includes hobbies too. I, I don't even know, we don't have time for me to list my hobbies currently to you. Um, but the, but uh, does anyone know Malcolm Gladwell? Have you read Outliers? Okay, Outliers, I like that strong hand, thank you. Outliers uh, says that mastery of anything takes about 10,000 hours worth of work. Truth is, we can only put 10,000 hours into so many things in a lifetime. And if we claim to be Jesus followers, it makes sense to me that uh, one of the things that Jesus says matters most might be worth one of those 10,000 hours or some of those 10,000 hours. Learning to love him and learning to love our neighbors. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Um, there's a card in your chair, an orange card. I meant to bring one up. Somebody, everybody see it? Will you put a, I think there's a slide for it. Okay, perfect. Oh, thanks, Derek. Um, okay, um, I want you to look at this card. And, do, and if you have a pen, grab a pen somewhere close to you. Surely there's one. Um, if not, we have some in the back. Okay, take this card and picture where you quite literally live. I've said that word way too many times, but I mean it. Like where you actually live. Um, it's not going to work exactly like this card, um, but picture your house, your apartment, your condo, your farm. Um, and then I want you to picture the eight closest people to you, the eight closest people down the hall, the eight closest farms around your farm, the, however that looks, the eight closest people to you. And here's what I want you to do. We're going to take like 30 seconds, and I just want you to write down the names of as many of those eight people as you can do, okay? Mark, set, go. Okay, stop. Pencils down. Did you make your mark heavy and dark? I feel like a... I'm doing testing. <laughs> um, okay, raise your hand. Did anybody fill out the whole card? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Do you see that not everyone filled out the, the whole card? Maybe that was timing, but um, I hope it makes you feel like a human being. I hope you looked around this room and was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> That not everybody knows their neighbors uh, like I do. Um, I told you last week that we've been planning to do this uh, sermon series since before COVID. Um, it was it was weird to do a sermon on uh, neighboring in the middle of a pandemic, but um, so we've we've had a while to sit on it, and um, I have been really thankful for that because truth is, last year if we had done this series, um, I couldn't have filled this card. I would have been standing up here saying this is so important, and I would have been like twenty five percent at best. Honestly, I thought I knew two names. Um, I was sure of one, and maybe it was Alice. <laughs> like, I wasn't sure of the other one. Um, 
I, so that would have been me. Um, but uh, then I would have given you the excuse that we, we had moved in short. We hadn't lived there that long, you know, two years. Is that really enough time to get to know people? Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, and so as I was dreaming and preaching about this, I felt this um, tugging of the spirit that I had become numb to something that Jesus calls great. And for me, trying to fill out that card a year and a half ago, was sort of evidence of that, that I had become numb to something that Jesus calls great. I had become so full of excuses for why I couldn't do what Jesus had called uh, part of the greatest commandment. Uh, I do ministry for a living, and so I'd been using that as an excuse for not doing it in my neighborhood because I'm tired and I just want to rest there. But, um, and then COVID hit. Uh, and I really, really, really want to stand up here and tell you that I knew the sermon series was coming and that um, I started to pursue my neighbors and get to know them and that our street chart started to change because of what I did. Um, but that wouldn't be a really honest telling of the story. Uh, a truthful telling of the story is this. My neighbors pursued me. My neighbors chased after me. My neighbor, Tracy, uh, Tracy Halter, she did this. She followed the greatest commandment in the middle of a pandemic, and her love for Jesus led her to love her neighbors and our street, and she loved and served me and my house. And then she formed us into a pod, and she gave us connection where we couldn't find connection anywhere. Uh, the kids took to it first because I think kids have a lot to teach us about early adopting into really good ideas. Um, but then the grown-ups started connecting. Uh, because if you know Tracy Halter, you know she's relentless, and eventually you just do what she tells you to do, because she's bossy and wonderful. Uh, but she's relentless. She gathered us, and then she checked on us. And things like, one night, she calls me and she says, I need you to come with me uh, to so-and-so's house. And it's like, who's so-and-so? And she's like, don't ask questions. And so we walk over like six feet apart and we end up in the yard of this lady who is a nurse serving at Children's Hospital. And she's on the front lines of COVID care uh, for little vulnerable kids. Uh, and, and I had been hearing stories that kids weren't affected by this, and then I hear her stories, and, and Tracy says, we're just going to pray for you. And so we stood 20 feet, and all these neighbors are here that Tracy's gathered, 20 feet away, and we yelled prayers, asking God to fill her with wisdom and courage and kindness and rest. Um, in the passage we read last week, Jesus, uh, he instructs the 72, he says, uh, he sends them out and he tells them to find people of peace wherever they go. Tracy became my people of peace. She introduced me to everyone, to Lori and Sam, to Ida Ella, to Scott, to Kelly, to Dylan, to Vicki. And slowly we became this little network and we checked in on each other and we checked in on our other neighbors that were at most risk for the virus and we got groceries for each other and toilet paper. And uh, when some of our elderly neighbors went to the hospital with COVID within 10 minutes of each other, I saw an ambulance come to get him and 10 minutes later it came to get her. Uh, when that happened, uh, Kelly used the group text that Tracy had created and uh, let us all know how we could pray and gave us updates on there. And then one day I'm sitting in my uh, very comfortably watching TV in my bedroom, working in my bedroom. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I look out because I hear something and Scott is doing the yard of those neighbors. And then Dylan is. And then Graham is. And then Campbell is. And then Cliff, who's 94, is. It, they just jumped in, literally doing what Jesus told them to do. Here's what I know. I truly believe that loving our neighbors has the power 
to change things. And here's how I know it. It changed me. It, it changed me. I, it did. It didn't, uh, I, I didn't change my neighbors following the great commandment. Their doing it changed me. And if it could change in, me, it could change anyone. I get paid to be a Christian. Just kidding. That's two times that joke's been used today. <laughs> So here's my hope uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, that we would slowly and deliberately learn how to do this together, uh, that we would learn together as a community how to follow the second part of the greatest commandment, how to literally do what Jesus told us to do. Uh, I truly, truly believe that uh, learning how to love our neighbors and ourselves can, start, can help us be uh, part of the changes that we long to see in our cities, our counties, our communities, our schools. Uh, again, we'll talk about this wider and wider as the weeks go on, but I think the best place to start is our literal geographic neighbors. So uh, before we move into Selah, I have an assignment for you. Uh, will you take this card with you? Um, we'll know if you take it because we have to pick them up, so no pressure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> will you take this card with you? Okay. And here's what I, here's my assignment. Take this card. Will you, for the next four weeks, try to learn, retain, and use the name of your eight closest neighbors? That's it for now. Learn, retain, and use the names of your eight closest neighbor. Uh, great things happen when we begin building relationships with those uh, closest to us and then work out from there. So we're going to start there. Our eight closest neighbors learn their names. That may seem like a really small thing that I'm telling you just to learn people's names. Um, but if I have learned anything from my dad, if you know Tim Teague, then you know how much power there is in learning someone's name and using it. It is powerful. So for some of you, especially the introverts or people who live a mile from your closest neighbor, this may seem absolutely daunting. Um, but here's the truth. I had Josh read Acts 17 because uh, what it says is that God has chosen you in your exact place. He has placed you where you are and where you live. And I believe if he's placed you there, he'll empower you to do the things that he's asked you to do. That's how he works. He doesn't tell us or invite us into doing things and then be like, good luck. You know, figure it out. Find a friendly friend. He gives us a friendly friend, but he doesn't, you know. Um, okay, so... Can we do this, this assignment? We can do hard things, right? Some of you seem sure. Some of you less so. That's okay. Um, so take this card with you. Uh, put it on your fridge. That might be really helpful. Put it on your fridge. Write them down. Unless your neighbors are coming over, then that might creep them out. Um, let's be not creepy neighbors. That feels like a part of uh, what, not what part of what Jesus said. So, um, okay, if you are like me, you are already figuring out excuses of why you can't do this, Right? I won't make you raise your hands. Um, you live too far out. You're barely ever at home. You're new to the area. You're socially awkward, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Please know that I hear you and I feel you on your reasons why not. I also love you enough to say uh, I think this is important even though it's hard. I think that this is what Jesus is inviting us into uh, all throughout history, uh, but really for our church right now, an intentional season around this. Um, I tried to think of an example of somebody that this would not work for, and I couldn't think of anyone with no neighbors. Um, but if that is you, one, tell me because I want to know. Um, <laughs> that's interesting to me. But two, um, 
If you have absolutely no neighbors, or maybe you are a kid and your parents don't want you to knock on the door of grown-ups you don't know. That is a good rule. You should follow that rule, kids. Um, but, uh, so, so it, I don't know how this will work for you, but, but my ideas were like, pick your eight closest coworkers, um, the eight waiters and waitresses at a restaurant you love, um, the eight people who sit around you in your first block class, uh, something like that. You can be creative. This isn't like, you know, strict. So, um, and then finally, for those of you who already filled out your entire card, um, here's my question for you is my assignment is ask these questions. What does it look like to love your neighbors beyond learning their names? How can you go wider into your neighborhood or deeper into your relationship and service and love of the people around you? Um, the band's going to come up. Uh, let's, I just want to pray into this right now. Um, and I just want to literally pray for the desire to do that. For some of us, for, for me for a long time, that was really what was keeping me. Is like, I, I don't really want to. I didn't really think about it. So I just want to pray and bless you, and then we're going to sit quietly. We do this every single week at the vineyard. We just sit for a moment uh, in the middle of the service. And so, um, yeah, I just want to bless this work in you, and then we'll just sit for a minute, and then we'll come to the table. Uh, So, Father, we... um, We ask you... For the courage to do what you've asked us to do. For the gifting to do what you've asked us to do. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would put in us a desire, maybe even just a desire for this to matter, but uh, a step further, a desire for our neighbors. For the people who live around us. There is, uh, we say this all the time, that we believe kindness is where the Holy Spirit lands. And I want the Holy Spirit to land in my neighborhood. And I want the Holy Spirit to land in my city, in my county, in East Tennessee. And so, God, I pray that you would fill us as a church uh, with kindness, that we would be so marked by your kindness that uh, what you say in Acts 17 will happen, that people will feel your presence because we are where you have placed us. Sometimes we get in our head that, like, evangelism or missions or, or being a chaplain of wherever we are requires a skill set that we don't have. And I just feel like in Acts, you say that our just us showing up and us being where you've asked us to be is enough for people to feel and experience your presence. And so I just pray that. I pray that for us. Um, and I pray that for our church, that in this season, um, you would empower us. Would you fill us with wisdom and would you fill us with courage? And oh God, would you fill us with kindness? In your name we pray.